Welcome, welcome to the English podcast with Tommy from learningenglishwithtommy.com. Yes, brothers and sisters, that is the jingle of the English podcast with Tommy. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening to all of you. And in my virtual Saudi Arabia studio somewhere near Riyadh, I believe, is the wonderful man who we all call Will. Good afternoon to you. Good afternoon, sir. Let me say before we even get started, thank you so much for inviting me to this podcast. I am honored, appreciative, and humbled by the invitation. Well, you're welcome because I've, you know, I've had you on my radar for quite a long time, and I thought to myself, well, we need to be more inclusive. We need to be more enlightened. So I've enlightened myself by by inviting you. And being more inclusive by inviting you here, so you know um, that's that's me done for my that's me done for two thousand twenty-two. Thank you. Two takes from two takes on the two words that I need. Okay. Well, I don't necessarily know. Let me just preface by saying I don't necessarily know if if you and others listening to this podcast will be enlightened. Uh, what I will do is, is I will just try to share my particular thoughts and my experiences. That's all we ask for. That's all we ask for, brother Will. Um, you've come on the English podcast to tell us about a book which changed your life. Yeah, I mean, let me first preface by saying that I, you know I love to read. I don't read as much as I used to just because of current you know, responsibilities and activities going on. But I, reading to me, growing up as a child, was like kind of mandatory with respect to my parents. And reading to me is fundamental. Reading, for a lot of different reasons, uh, reading will help you improve your vocabulary. It will help you uh, understand the world, understand different cultures, vocabulary. And certainly for people that are learning, you know, English as a, you know, second language, third language, whatever, English is, I'm sorry, reading is a language skill. So uh, if people want to improve their speaking, then I have often said, as you have said, and definitely read. And with that being said, uh, there is a book that really literally changed my life. And the name of the book is Rich Dad, Poor Dad, by the author's name is Richard Kajowski. And he is an American who actually wrote this book. A little background history on that one. I should give actual uh, praise and uh, shout out. Not I don't know if my uncle's listening to this, but shout out to Uncle Emmett if you are. Uh, this was years ago. Uh, my uncle lives in Louisiana, and I was about 25 years old visiting my aunt and uncle, the rest of my family in Louisiana. And he said to me, he said, boy, come on, we're going somewhere. I'm going to change your life. Uh, I was like, okay. Um, and my uncle is actually uh, pretty well, uh, pretty affluent. And so I, you know, in my naivete, <laughs> I thought he was going to get me money or do something. But he said, boy, come on, I'm going to change your life. So we went to, um, they live in Baton Rouge, my aunt and my uncle. We went to... Uh, a bookstore in Baton Rouge by the name of Barnes and Noble. And so he gave me this book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. He said to me, he said, boy, read this book and never say that I don't love you and I don't care about you. Um, 
this book has the opportunity to change your life. So I was like, okay. What is basically Rich Dad Poor Dad? Basically, this book talks about finances, financial literacy, the power of understanding money, financial investments, understanding financial terminology. And what is interesting about this particular book is, is that the author, Richard Kalyowski, grew up in Hawaii, and he came, him and his family came from, let's say, middle-class background. Contemporary terms, middle class is a very interesting concept. If there is even such a thing as middle class in the United States, that's a conversation for another, you know, podcast. With that being said, he grew up in a very middle class family. He, his neighbor, was uh, a very rich person, and as a result, it was him. His friend was, you know, his friend's father was rich, and so. He had an opportunity to go over his uh, friend's house. And what's interesting is, is that he noticed, Richard noticed that the conversation that his uh, friend's father was having mostly related around money, mostly related about investments, mostly related about strategic planning, goal planning, understanding how money works. And what was interesting about it was, is that when he went back, when Richard went back to his house, he noticed that the conversation was really not necessarily about like financial investments, understanding what an asset is, understanding what a liability is, but the conversation was not that within his household. So, and, what, yes. what we're trying to say here is that there were there are two different worlds. The moment yes. that Richard walks into his friend's house, he talks about money. He talks about wealth. The yes. moment he walks out and back into his house, we're talking about a person who, a family who are not in, who are, who don't talk about the same sorts of topics. Exactly. And a, and a person who, his family, I mean, his family, nothing against his family, but his father, you know, worked in the military for years, then found a, a government job. And so the, the nature, exactly, the nature of the conversations he knows in his house was different. And so basically what the book, why I like it was, is that it, well, the book talks about what, what rich people, regardless of their race or ethnicity, their creed, their religion, they have one, but what rich people teach their children hmm. that, quote unquote, the poor and the middle class do. Okay, so what was that? Are you trying to say that rich people in general talk about money more than the rest of society? I would think so because I, in my opinion, yes. I mean, looking at my own life growing up and looking at my uncles and then thinking about my own development as it relates to me and my family most definitely. The conversation, I think people that are affluent and, and certainly let me preface by saying fluency or being affluent or having, you know, uh, there are many different types of, of ways of being affluent, but we're only talking about money right now. So, hmm. um, but I have noticed in terms of my own life and travels and the opportunity to meet different people with different socioeconomic backgrounds, I have noticed that people that have a certain amount of wealth or that are rich or that are business owners and entrepreneurs, their conversation, their vernacular, their lexicon is different from those that might not necessarily, you know, be a business owner or be as rich or quote unquote a millionaire. 
Is that, is that due to the education that they've been through or is it due to the is it due to the environment that they grew up in or what what we what's the, what are the what is the reason that Richard gives for the Richard, Richard gives for the two different types of conversation one being about money and the other being about completely other completely different right. other topics. I think what he got from his, his friend's father, who was rich, was is that, quote unquote, the system, is that most people, well, let me, I'm going to say what he got from the book and then what I internalized the book and why that's important to me. One of the things that I think Richard noticed about his friend's father, who was rich, was is that the system at the time in the United States of America, and one can make the argument around the rest or different parts of the world, is designed that the masses of people are taught um, to get a job, you know, go to school, get an education, get a job, be mm -hmm. part of the wheel and the cog, and not necessarily be entrepreneurial in nature. So basically, be a part of the be a part of the system, but not necessarily working your way up the ladder. Be a worker and not an owner is another way of saying. It. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so that I found very interesting because it related to my own life where it was kind of like, you know what, I mean, I can remember my parents saying to me, hey, listen, you know, college was, well, I had two options, you know, go to high school, that was mandatory, but then you had two options, you either go to college, go to, you go to college, go in the military, you get out of my house. So I was like, okay, I'm 18, I think I better go to college. I wanted to go to the military, I could not see. They didn't accept me. But with that being said, you know, so I grew up where it's like, okay, you go to college, you find a good job. I was not uh, accustomed to, let's say, you know, being an entrepreneur, owning your own business. It certainly was not like my family did not have conversations as related to money, of course, because I knew how to pay bills. But in terms of what I found valuable about the book was, is, is that and this is no disrespect to my parents at all, because I think parents only teach what they know. Exactly. Um, mm -hmm. You know, um, but as a result of that, I learned what an asset was. I learned what a liability was. I learned what an income statement was. Is I learned what rule of 72 was. Is I learned that, you know, there are, you know, the mentality, the mindset in terms of how people were entrepreneurial or think of money, that was never part of my universe before. So you began, you learned to become, with this book, you learned, you learned to become quote unquote self-sufficient. Self-sufficient and also understanding is, is that finances in itself has a language. Mm -hmm. And if you're able to talk the language of numbers. Yeah. You know, oftentimes people think that, in my opinion, I think people think that finances do not affect someone unless you're a CFO or your accountant. That is, in my humble opinion, furthest from the case. Hmm. Um, because, you know, in my opinion, money impacts all aspects of one's life. It affects your yourself, it affects your family, if you have one, a personal relationship for everything. And you know, what there were key takeaways. I remember reading the book when I, you know, so I started reading the book when I was in Baton Rouge and then I, you know, and then continued reading the book when I, at the time I lived in New Jersey. And just the wealth of information in terms of, again, when I said, you know, if, if I wanted to make money, what are things that are making money? And the book illustrates that. It's kind of like, okay, 
Uh, do you have any patents? Do you have any intellectual property? Do you have any real estate? It talked about you know the aspects of how rich people have their money, the different investment vehicles that typically people that are affluent have their money in stocks or bonds or mutual funds or real estate, things that are generating income. It talked about, and one of the things I remember about the book is it talks about the house. Uh, most people, you know, a house, but there's a difference between having a house, a single unit, and a multi, you know, multi-unit property. Let me just let me just pick you up on. Let me just let me just use that one word that you said, a house, mm-hmm. because I just, you know, for those of you listening into this, you'll know that I just bought myself my first house. I've got yes, myself on this. Thank you very much. I bought. I'm onto the. I'm finally on the ladder, on the property on a property ladder. But you would. You just said the word house and multi, multiple units. Yes. Meaning. Like a single, a single, like a single family unit, whether it was like a single flat, and I'm defining a house as like what are you going to call it, a condo, yeah. a, a house, a flat, or whatever. But a single unit versus a multi-unit property. I should use the correct terminology. Okay. And, and you know, I remember reading the book, and it was kind of like, okay, I grew up in my family. It's like, okay, you know what? I wanted to own a house. Great. And then this concept of a mortgage. I remember Richard said in the book, he's like, okay, you have a house, but you have a mortgage. Is it really your? Is it really your house? Not really. Or is it? Or is it? Or is it the house? Or is it? Or is your house really the banks? Or the financial institutions property until you pay off, and that so it's interesting. A house technically can be defined as an asset or a liability. Yeah. That blew me away because I was like, I never thought about that. He was like, okay, think about it. He said, you have a one single unit house, right? Yeah. And so, is that house or is your house generating property or income? Sorry, generating income for you. And I was like, wow. Now let's jump forward. Uh, I don't remember. Let's say two to three years. Okay. How did that book literally change my life? Well, at the time uh, I was in New Jersey. I actually, because of that book, uh, bought a multi-unit uh, family house. It was a three-story house, so I generated income from that. Mm. And I never would have thought of that. I never would have known of that unless I read that book. Okay. And I remember when I, real quick, I remember when I, when I, after I purchased the, the multi-unit house, I remember calling my uncle in, in uh, Louisiana and I was like, oh, uncle, I get it. I get it. He said, boy, I told you I was going to change your life. So what you're basically saying is, had you not read the book by Richard Kajowski, you wouldn't have gone off and bought yourself that first house, which would, you, which would not only have put you on the ladder, on that property ladder, but it also it generated for you. It wouldn't have, you wouldn't have generated any income from buying this property. Exactly. So this ba- to right. to use a word that I would like to use this year, it enlightened you into making that first jump of buying that house. Yes, and, and, and I like the word that you're using. What was I enlightened about? What was what was this new enlightenment for me? Financial literacy, understanding respectfully that the system is rigged, and and what I mean by that is in terms of like you know owners versus workers. And there's nothing against being a worker because I I you know I'm a I'm a worker 
right? Yeah. And trying to become an entrepreneur. So there's nothing against work, and I think there's value of work. So, but it enlightened me about the, again, owning versus renting, or the, the mentality, the mindset mentality, conversations that people are having. Um, it, it literally changed my life to the point that when I decided, you know, because I came from, and I, you know, I came from the business world, and so I've been in the, the world of, you know, education management, and consulting, and all that other stuff, teaching uh, for the last decade now. But I remember, even to this point, that, you know, this book just still has a profound effect on me is because I did a video on it on YouTube. I've done live Instagrams about it, talking about understanding the value of money, understanding the mindset about that, understanding. Here's another reason why this book changed my life. The power of budgeting. Mm -hmm. If you ask most people, like, okay, how much money do you make, mm -hmm. right? And what do you do with your money? Or better yet, do you have a budget? Most people would say no. Yeah. Most people, if you ask them, it's like, okay, let's say you make like $2,000 a month or 20000 It doesn't even matter, but I would challenge people to listen to you that are listening to this podcast. Whatever money you make on a monthly basis, do you budget it? Do you know what you spend your money on? And so therefore, if you do, that's great. Mm -hmm. um, but if you don't, then that's a possible problem. Yeah. Why? Because you only have a certain amount of money depending on when you get paid or how you get paid. And so obviously, and obviously if you don't budget your thing, if you don't budget things in, you say, okay, I'm going to buy this, 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 you know, and you have like five, right. six, seven, eight different things that you've bought. And at the end of the month, when you get your invoices and you get your money, you realize, oh, well, hang on a second, I'm 200, 300, 400 euros, dollars, pounds, yen whatever it might be short of what my but of what i need to be paying so what you are basically exactly. saying is that with the help of richard's book you are able to sort of zone in hone in on that on the on these on the skill of trying to become financially literate financially literate financial acumen most definitely and and even <laughs> um the path, understanding banks. Yeah. Like I remember part of the book he said, it was like, okay, he said, he said, I'm not gonna say, I remember, I'm paraphrasing. He's like, I'm not gonna say that banks are not good. He was like, but the, power, the, the role of banking has changed. He said, do you really think that banks care about you? No. He was like, they take your money and they give you an interest rate at the time. Yeah. Okay, of like one to three percent and three percent if you're lucky. And then what do they do? They turn around and then give you like if you need a car loan, a, a, a mortgage, whatever, they give you a higher interest. And I was like, wow. Yeah. And so the book talked about that aspect where it's kind of like, okay, understanding how the system works. And so why I think it's important, and, and this is just my opinion, the following statement that I'm saying my thoughts and my own, people, you know, let me say like this, I don't believe the following, number one, I don't believe that money buys love, and I don't believe that money is the root of all evil, but I live in a society or a world that some sort of money is necessary, and what's interesting about it, why I found the book still to this day so powerful is, is because in my experience, people that are that do not grow up in a culture of uh, 
talking about money or talking about ownership or people that are at the lower socioeconomic level. We are trapped. Why? Because the system designs it as such where we don't want to know about this. Most people that I know, and here's the thing I would have uh, your people listen to this, think about. Have you ever been in an experience if you hear, like, let's say, for example, people that you consider affluent or have wealth, whether they are like Beyonce, whether they are, you know, uh, Jeff Bezos or, you know, hmm. Donald Trump, Barack Obama. Do you ever notice that they have, they have no fear or no shame talking about how much money they, they make or what they're doing with the financial investments? Hmm. Well, I think people should be humble about that. Yeah. But did you ever notice that versus people that, you know, don't have as much riches or wealth um, or come from lower socioeconomics, lower class to middle class? They have a problem talking about money. Yeah. You would never, you know, I, and I noticed that even when talking with my uncle or people that I've, you know, had the experience to meet that are business owners, whatever, they will tell you, oh yeah, my net income is this or that. And I was like, wow. Hmm. Because it's an enlightenment or mindset mentality. And more importantly, they teach it to their kids. Yeah. Part of the reason I think why the book has also changed my life is because it made me think about the aspect of poverty. Yeah. In that there were certain, certainly, certainly growing up in the United States of America and having the experience that I have, I do think that there are certain, um, I do think that poverty can be eradicated. Yep. I do think that there are a lot of many different complex issues around poverty. With that being said, poverty, I think one way to, at least that I try to do in my life with my family and with people that choose to be part of the ATW family is to make them aware that, hey, financial literacy is important yep. and understanding the value of budgeting and money and mindset is extremely important because you can break that cycle. I mean, people talk oftentimes about, oh, you know what, poor people want to be poor because they want to be poor. Well, you know what, maybe they don't. I, I don't agree with that 100%. I don't believe that people want to be poor. They're not necessarily given the opportunity or have the education to do it. If you ask me, Will, about this idea of poverty and poor people wanting to be poor, now that's just, you know, that, that's just, a, let me just take your words here. Um, I don't believe that poor people want to be poor. They, it's, the, the unfortunate thing is, and I haven't read Richard Kowalski's book to be enlightened by this, but I have noticed, as you say, that the system is rigged against ninety against ninety percent of the population of the world. Right. Now you know whether that be because of the skin color you have, because of the race you are, because of your sexuality, because of your gender, because of whatever it might be. Those of us who find ourselves at the bottom of the scale will find it harder to work our way up. Most definitely. Well, I mean, I think to your point, sir, I think you're talking about, you know, I mean, <laughs> let me just say this. As an African-American male, I would never negate the fact, I mean, there are certain isms that exist. Racism exists. Sex, sex, um, sexism. You know, sexism exists. Sexual discrimination or sexual orientation discrimination. All of those things exist. Mm. So there are certain challenges that certain communities or people might have, certainly. And also, I think what you're mentioning is, you know, when I think of that, there is, I would define as intersectionality yeah. between race and class, whatever. But it's really a class issue because at the end of the day, you know, from my perspective, money, you know, money, I'll use this 
analogy. I don't know if this is right or wrong, but it's my thoughts and my opinion. Um, you know, those that have power, if you believe rich, whatever, regardless of who it is, just be rich as money. Money, money has a system, and pe- rich people that have it want to keep on to that. So therefore, that system maintains itself, similarly to native speakerism. So you look at it as a system. Those that are in power don't want to give up that power. So therefore, what do they do? They keep it all to themselves. Hmm. And therefore, they don't want to educate their, the, the general masses of people or population. Because if that was the case, they would think, what would they do? They would lose their power. Yeah. So if I'm a king, if I'm a business owner, if I'm a queen, whatever it is, I'm going to maintain that. Hmm. I don't want to teach the other masses of people. Yeah. So... Yeah, there's definitely an intersectionality around that. And and what I try to do in my own life is not only to teach it to my family and, and close friends of mine, but then also kind of share what I've learned. Mm-hmm. One of the other things that I think the book has really changed my life, it blew me out of the water. You know, I did a video on it on YouTube, Rule of 72, changed my life. And the rule basically says is you take the, you know, whatever money that you have, because it talks about savings, right? Like, I can't speak for the rest of the world. Most people in America, because I'm American, even though I'm currently in Saudi Arabia right now, most people in America don't save hmm. because they don't have the, the, the discretionary income to do it, right? Yeah. Yeah. So most people in America are one, what is it, one or two paychecks away like most people in America have not even saved a thousand dollars, and particularly now with everything going on with the pandemic, mm. even the, you know Omicron or whatever, most people don't save. So rule of seventy-two basically says, okay, if, let's say for example you have two thousand dollars somehow, you get it as a gift, you know, teacher almost gives it to you as a as a giveaway, whatever, and you want to invest that. And you put that money in a financial vehicle, you get a particular interest rate. So basically it says you take the interest rate that you have and divide it by, you know, the money that you want to invest. And that number will tell you the amount of years it will take for your money to double. Yeah. That blew me away. Okay. Because where was I putting most of my money? In the bank. Yeah. At a 3% interest rate. So what? Every 24 years my money is going to double? Are you crazy? <laughs> Versus rich people, you know, they use other investment vehicles yeah. that have a higher interest rate. That they, now imagine, imagine, this is why I did a YouTube video, one of the least viewed YouTube videos because, oh, I guess it wasn't in English or even though it was in English. And imagine this. Imagine if you are blessed enough to have children or friends or someone that you love and they're two years old, okay? and you have discretionary income and you put it in, let's say you have $1,000, even $500, and you start investing that at a higher interest rate. College could be paid for if if a person wants to go to college, down payment for a house, vacation, starting up your own business. That literally changed my life. And I remember I posted that video on on YouTube and it was amazing if I, I don't know why I could go back and see, Mm. but it would be amazing if it was 100 views. Why? Because, side note, English, I think, to me, is certainly encapsulates life, grammar and vocabulary and, 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 and pronunciation and aspects of fluency are important. Mm-hmm. Notice, like I said, aspects of fluency, not accent, separate podcast. Those things are important, 
But for me, the way my approach to English is life. And so, you know, to be honest, at the time when the video was posted, you know, I was like, only 100 views? Okay, I'm grateful to those 100 views. But imagine that. Imagine if more people in the world understood the power of financial literacy and that rule of 72 and to, and to change the mindset. One last thing I would say that I think changed the book, or how the book influenced me was, so I had an investment, a multi-unit investment property that I kept for five years, and then I sold it, made a profit, reinvested that particular money. And then as a result of that, um, there were family, you know, family members and friends that, you know, I got in the book and I believe sharing is caring. I say a lot of it, people choose to follow me within my ATW family, different social media, I'm like sharing is caring. Like, you know, they care, but I like to share. But as a result of that, at the time after the book, like I think maybe like a year after, or six months to a year after the book, Look, uh, there were 10 of us that we started a, um, what do you call it, brother? Yes, we started investment a, fund. Uh, an investment club. We, we started an investment club where we bought stocks and stuff. And we were in that club for four years. Mm. To the point, I will not mention her last name because she doesn't know I'm doing this, this video, but talking about sharing as caring and knowledge is power. Uh, there's a woman in the club by the name of Leah. Leah was, I think, 21 at the time. Mm. She, similar background that I did, uh, African-American female, you know, came from a middle-class background, was lucky enough to go to college and start, but she didn't really know about money, and, you know, that was not part of her life experience. She got in the club, and I still keep in contact with her, and, um, as a result, she was like, oh no. She's like, literally, she's like, well, yeah, this club literally changed my life. To the point that what? She has her investments. She opened up her own business. She was thinking about getting married, getting married right? I'm in for a couple years, so maybe she's mine right now. But I remember last time we spoke, she was like, oh no, William. She's like, oh no, I need to know the man's credit score. I need to know, like, okay, are, what are we doing financially? Are we on the same target? Because it is important. And, when you see someone like that, you know, who's 21, yeah. to have that, that could change the next generation. And what has she done? She's passed it on. Yeah. So she shared it with her family and friends. So I highly, highly recommend that book to anyone. And what's the value of it? Not only you obviously not only learning about or you have the opportunity to learn about finance, financial acumen, budgeting, mindset. But the book is in English. Yeah. And if someone is a beginner, that's fine. The book has been translated in multiple, multiple languages. But I would encourage you to read it in English because why, as I said earlier, or I aforementioned, reading is a language skill. It's literally changed my life. William, one further question that I'd like to ask you, or maybe make that two. What level should I be if I want to read Richard Kowalski's book? What level? Oh, good question. Um, Put me, give me a level. Give me a level. Just a level. I, I would say upper intermediate, like certainly for A2 plus, definitely if you're B1. Like okay. A2 would be good, but if you're B1, it would be good. Okay. All right. And second of all, how can we find you on social media? <laughs> Nowhere. <laughs> <laughs> social media, what? What is that? So, um, thank you for giving me an opportunity to shout out. 
So on Instagram, uh, on Instagram and YouTube and Snapchat, Ooh. I am as underscore teacher will. And on TikTok, I am ATW one dot there we go. We have different. We have multiple ways of finding the legend we call Will. If you don't go and find him now on social media, we will know about it, and Will will come back to me and say, "Well, your podcast is a load of rubbish because I, I got not, no followers. No followers added." Not, uh, I will not do that. Listen, at the end of the day, first of all, that is not true. I would not do that. And I will conclude by saying this. Thank you um, again for the opportunity. I really appreciate it. Uh, I hope someone will get value from it. And at the end of the day, I will not blame you at all. People have choices. And I normally say to people that choices are not right or wrong. It is whether or not they can deal with the consequences of their particular actions. So I would not blame you at all of that. If one person finds this value, then you know, I've done my job. And the last point that I would say is is that for anybody that chooses to follow me or or you know look at my content on the various social media, I have a theme for this year. And the theme is courage. So my final comment is uh, to people listening, do you have it's a three part question. Question number one, do you have the courage to improve your life by believing in yourself. Question number two, do you have the courage to improve your finances? And the last is number three, do you have the courage to achieve your English goals? And if you do, wonderful. And if you don't, you have individuals such as Brother here and others that can help you on your journey. So courage. Thank you. You know, if we if we all have courage, we will end up like people, like Will, little less like me. You know, I've not had always had the courage to do things. But remember, dear listeners, Will, myself, and many other teachers are out there on social media for you to improve your English and also to gain courage to do different things. I would like to thank Will for joining me this afternoon for this rather longish episode of the English Podcast with Tommy. Thank you, Will. Thank you. I'd like to thank you listeners for listening in and you will join me hopefully very soon for another episode of the English Podcast with Tommy. Until then, guys, one word that we would like to leave you with Courage. Have the courage to improve yourself this year. Goodbye now. If you'd like to sign up to get podcast transcripts, head over to my website. That's learnenglishwithtommy.com forward slash English to go.